Good morning. It's good to, to see all of you today, and it's good to be here on this. Can you believe it's already the first Sunday in June? I think um, months go by. I think we just do the first week and the last week of the month, and then we start another month, and things happen so quickly. But it is it is quickly um, becoming summer, and the Texas heat is, is slowly creeping up, but it is cool inside, and we are thankful to be able to worship together with one another, and we're glad that you're here. It's good to see you. I just want to welcome you to, to Cross Timber, and if you're a regular member, it's good to see you again. If you're a, a visitor, it's always great to have you. We, we love our guests, and we're so thankful that you're here, and we hope you not only feel welcome, but that you enjoy the service as we worship together. I don't have one in front of me, but there's a little card in the bulletin called the Connect Card. If you want to share a prayer request with us or ask questions or update information, just drop that information on the little card, drop it in the offering plate when we pass it around in a few moments, and that'll get to the, the church office, and we'll um, deal with those appropriately. I um, have a, a few things to um, inform you about, just to, to remind you before we take time to read from John chapter 15, and we'll be reading the first five verses. The first thing that I want you to know is tonight at 6 o'clock, um, we will be having a dessert auction, 
And the purpose of that is to help Ken and Michelle West in the funding for their soon-to-be trip to Tanzania. Um, they'll join there with Scott and Leslie Whitson and others as they, they minister in that area. And we get to have a part in helping them raise the funds to be able to go. We, we pray for them. We also help support them as we go. And so tonight, um, just ask if you were a baking person or a making person to to bake something or make something um, dessert-wise or dessert-like, and we'll have a live auction, and Mr. Curtis Biggs will be our auctioneer. Also, um, just I was thinking of a couple things as Deborah and I were talking yesterday, ways that maybe, you know, you could, everybody could be a part, because I know sometimes, you know, the bidding all of a sudden jumps higher than what you have, and you're like, well, you know, what can I do? I mean, if some of you are, are cookie bakers or cupcake bakers or brownie bakers, and you want to take some of those items and put them in small bags, you know, maybe three cookies or a couple of brownies. Um, we can sell those for a dollar a piece. That way everyone can have a part in contributing. And also we're going to place a basket out. And if you just want to say, hey, here's some, some change or here's some cash I have and I want to help Ken and Michelle in their journey, well, you can place that in the basket also. We want to be able um, to enjoy our time together, you know, help them um, defer a lot of the expense if we can, but also we want to make it um, as user-friendly as possible so as many people can contribute because every little bit helps and we're always thankful to see how the Lord combines that and multiplies it for um, for his glory so that's tonight six o'clock we hope to see you there Thursday evening ladies at 6 30 p.m. we'll be having um, a ladies self-defense class um, taught by Miss Selena Bador of Texas Black Belt Academy and just looking at her credentials she holds a second degree black belt a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu so um, she would Stand is more than qualified, and she will be here from 6.30 to 8 on Thursday evening to teach um, our ladies some very practical self-defense techniques. And if you are interested in attending, I hope you'll come, but what we also need you to do is help us to spread the word. Um, it's on our, our church Facebook page. It's out there. It's spread. We also have these little handouts if you want to let people know about it. Please let them know that they're welcome to come. There's no charge. Um, child care will be provided, and if they do... Um, need child care, we just ask you would remind them to call the church office just to let us know how many children and the ages of the children to make sure that we have um, appropriate care set up. So that's Thursday night, 6.30, Ladies Self-Defense. And then lastly, on June 19th, which is coming up very quickly, um, we'll be having our summer Bible camp for four-year-olds through the fifth grade. Um, it'll be in the mornings from 9 to 11.30, and we need you to help. Um, we need folks to, to volunteer, to be a part of that, help in areas. Um, we're still in need of someone to, to lead out in preparing snacks, to lead out in crafts. So if you are a crafty or craft-minded person, um, there's help for you. Um, we, there's a place for you. And we also need a second and third grade um, teacher as well as helper. So if any of those things sound interesting or fit um, what you might um, your personality and your abilities, um, please sign up. There's a sign-up sheet in the back on the table, or you can just let Jeff know. Jeff's back there at the sound booth, and we would um, we would love to have you be a partner with us and to help us in that as we minister to kids in our community. Now, the second thing I need you to do, you may not be able to be here on the 19th through the 23rd to help with our summer Bible camp, but everyone can be a part in helping us spread the word. Um, the information um, is printed nicely on the little cards that are a great way to hand to someone. It has the, the dates and the times. It has um, also a little QR code on there for all those tech-savvy people. They can just um, 
scan that with their phone. It takes us takes you right to a registration page on the church website. Um, and so if you want to grab some of these, there's plenty of these available, and you can just hand it to someone that you know has children or grandchildren. If you have kids in your neighborhood, invite them. If you see you know, families that you um, are able to make contact with, just let them know that we're having that June 19th to the 23rd in the mornings. And just also join us in praying that the Lord would, would send us children, but most importantly that um, we would have the opportunity to share with them the good news about Jesus and that God would work in hearts and that we would see kids um, give their lives to Jesus for a lifelong commitment. Um, I'd like us this morning to read from John chapter 15. We're only going to read the first six verses together before our deacons come and we um, receive our offering. So in John chapter 15, you've been recently studying this in the, in the past several months in Sunday school, we have Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Gentlemen, will you come see our offering? Join with me in prayer, please. Most holy God and heavenly Father, we do lift your name. Thank you that you have such a great love for us and that you have provided a way that we can have eternal life with you through your son, Jesus. We worship you this morning and every day, dear Lord. We just want to give back a portion of what you have given to us. Dear Lord, we thank you again for your son, Jesus and the price he paid on the cross for our sins. And we pray in his blessed holy name. Amen. As I look back on this road I've traveled, See, so many times it's carried me through. And if there's one thing that I've learned in this life, my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said He will do. Every morning His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful. 
full and true. My heart rejoices when I read the promise. There is a place that I am preparing for you. I know someday I'll see my Lord face to face. Because my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And everything He has said He will do. Every morning His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And in every situation He has proved His love for me. When I lack the understanding He gives more grace to me. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And everything He has said He will do. Every morning His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. My Jesus is faithful and true. Would you stand and sing with us this morning? You called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. I see the old has passed away. The new Yeah. 
Thank you. You may be seated. Hebrews chapter 2 is where you can start turning in your your Bibles and we'll look at just the first four verses of that chapter today as we continue our look at the the book of Hebrews and finding out that in every way and in every instance Jesus is is better. Pay attention. You ever heard that? Or are you paying attention? Maybe it was your teacher, maybe your mom, maybe your dad. Maybe it was a conversation you should have been listening to, or maybe it was a lecture that was getting to be a little lengthy. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe it was some other thing. Or maybe you're driving in a car and you're about to run off the road. Are you paying attention? We've all heard it. We all need it, in fact, every now and then. Because it's meant for our benefit and for our, our safety. It's a warning. And when we come to the second chapter of the book of Hebrews, it's the first of five warnings that are sprinkled throughout this book. And the warning this morning is to pay attention. Why? Because danger is out there and it waits for us when we drift away from the truth. Now, it doesn't happen quickly. It happens slowly over time little by little, and we veer off course, and we end up in trouble, and we find ourselves distanced in our relationship with Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, is when we lack a solid foundation of truth to anchor our faith to, we will drift. It may not be intentional, but it does carry serious consequences. But the good news is, like we sang in the song earlier, there is an anchor for our souls. His name is Jesus. And the Scriptures tell us that we are to pay attention to our relationship with Him and to respond in love and obedience to His commands. To be settled on a firm foundation. It's the only way that we are... we could keep from drifting. But while the currents of life flow hard against us while there's storms of life that come that the good news about Jesus is our anchor it's too great to be ignored and when we neglect it we will drift but the remedy is simply this and if we can walk away with a better understanding of this this morning will be helped is that paying careful attention to the great truth of salvation prevents spiritual Now, as we come to the second chapter, as I read these first verses together, we are confronted with the word, therefore, which points us back toward the first chapter and all that we learned about the superiority of of Jesus to angels and how his message was from the very beginning. And he says, therefore, we must pay careful, much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, 
and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. Jesus, help us this morning as we turn to Your Word. Help us to understand the truth that is presented the need to pay close attention, the danger of drifting, and the results of neglect. But, O Lord, help us to see the great salvation that you have made possible and how it is the wonderful solution to the dangerous problem of drifting. Work through your word and by your spirit to teach us and to change us, and we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So after a solid chapter of theology about Jesus, the writer pauses for an opportunity to offer some practical application. Based on the truth that we've looked at so far, this is what you need to do. This is their call to action. It's like the application at the end of a sermon, except here he's just beginning and there's several more to come. And each of these five warnings that we find in Hebrews are, are challenging to understand. They're, they're difficult to interpret. There are many opinions about what they mean, but each one is important and applies to today. So in your bulletin, we have just three points to help us make it through this. And the first thing you see is that there is an urgent warning. An urgent warning. It's a call for us to pay close attention to our relationship with Jesus. You see it there at the beginning of verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. It's a command. He uses the pronoun we to include himself. So he's likely speaking to Christians, including himself in that directive. telling us that it is important not just to affirm the truth and say this is what we believe, but it's also important to live it out on a daily basis. Now, I don't care where we are in our relationship with Jesus, how long we've walked with Jesus, we have to be honest with ourselves and realize there's always room for improvement. And so the author says, you may be paying attention, but we must pay much closer attention. So there's a the time is short, the days are evil, we don't have time to waste, and the closer we are to Jesus, that relationship, as it, as it grows, as we abide in Him, the better off we'll be and the more useful we'll be for Him in kingdom work. So you may say to yourself, I'm paying attention today, and that may be at some level or degree, but there is a need in our day to pay more attention, much more careful attention. Now, we would have to agree, flight attendants have a challenging job. It may look glamorous on the outside, but the thought of getting on an airplane and trying to do two things, keep as many people happy as possible and to keep them all as safe as possible and to be with them until they reach their destination. And one part of their job is that wonderfully 
portrayed safety demonstration. Seat belt, oxygen mask, seat cushion could be used as a flotation device. Many people, if you've flown very often, could probably almost quote it word for word. But one thing that's interesting to note is how little attention people give to that brief demonstration. They turn off a little screen in front of you. They tell you to look at the screen, but the majority of people aren't paying any attention. They're continuing to do what they want to do. Maybe they're, they're reading. Maybe they're looking at their phone. Some might briefly look up because the motion catches their eye. Maybe they kind of quote along mockingly. And there might be a few people that pay actual attention. And we wonder, why in the world would we not pay attention to that? Well, I think the reason is because most people that fly don't consider the actual danger of flying serious enough to pay close attention to the safety demonstration. And I feel like if we did, every time we flew, we would. Comparison between a first-time flyer and someone who is frequently on an airplane. And the reason we need to pay close attention is because there is a danger, and it's a real danger. It's possible to drift away from a close relationship with Jesus. It's there in verse 2, lest we drift away from it. The idea is the picture of a ship drifting away from the harbor that will keep it safe or a boat that's supposed to be tied up slipping off from the 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 cleat on the dock and and floating out into the water or maybe a canoe or a kayak getting away from you and riding down the currents and going downstream it's there one moment and then slowly over time little by little the distance increases in steady increments and sometimes even though it's hard to notice we find ourselves wondering, how in the world did it ever go this far? And the end destination is likely never where we intended it to be or never where we thought it to be. And sometimes we find ourselves asking, how did I end up here? And so with this illustration of a boat drifting from a safe passage, the writer just masterfully reminds us that being a Christian is active, never passive. Think about it. What do you have to do to drift? Nothing, right? It's the joy of going to the Como River or the Guadalupe River. You know, you can just jump in a tube and the current will carry you along and you don't really have to do much of anything. So to drift, you really don't have to do anything. And if you want to drift along in your walk with with Jesus, you really don't have to do anything. But you have to understand that there is a danger because you will drift away. And when our faith comes becomes stagnant, when we say we're going through a dry season, we don't just sit still. You know, the, the little dot on our chart doesn't just stop at this level of growth while we stop doing the things that we know are important. In fact, the moment that we stop doing those things, it's a steady decline that's slow, unnoticeable at first. We begin to miss out on God's best. We suffer the consequences and maybe, depending on the situation, may be susceptible to God's discipline. And the result of the reason for drifting, the way that we drift, is because of neglect. You see the word there in verse 3. It means to 
to ignore or to make light of, to disregard, to not take something seriously. And so with the heart of a pastor, the author is speaking to to Christians and he says, don't neglect the great salvation you have received. Now it's important as you're looking at this to understand that he does say neglect and not reject. And so to neglect something, you have to possess something. And so, at least from that, I, I do believe that he is talking to those that are actually believers. And that because of circumstances have begin, began to drift. Now, we don't know the exact reasons that Hebrew readers are beginning to drift or in danger of drifting. It could be because of the persecution that was rising up, that they were tempted to, to give up on Christianity and go back to the Hebrew faith that they were brought on. But something was starting to cause seeds of doubt to be sown. And they were considering going back. Now, in our culture today, we drift because of influences in our society, the the carnal nature, our flesh, the culture around us. But I think even more dangerous is our casual approach to our faith. Maybe it's familiarity where we just say, oh, I already know that. You've probably witnessed this. You may have even done it. You're listening to a sermon or you're in a Sunday school class and they start talking about something and you say, oh, I know that. And you symbolically close your Bible. And you've also closed out your ears and you've closed out your mind because you're convinced that you didn't need that. It could be that you grew up in church. It could be maybe you've just been a part of one for a long time and you're just here along for the ride. And so it could be familiarity. It could be apathy. It could be you've heard the message so much you're just wondering, what does it matter anyway? Maybe an unpleasant experience in the past or a hurt or a pain along the way has caused you to wonder or caused you to doubt and you thought, what good is it anyway? And instead of pressing into and coming closer to Jesus, we begin to push away from Him and the drift begins. Or maybe other people, it's pride. I've got it all figured out. And you hear a message and you're like, oh, that's a good message, but man, you know, I wish he could have been here. He really needed to hear that. Or I wish she would have been here because I think that was for her. And we begin to see ourselves as better than others or further along the path of faith than we may be. We overestimate ourselves. But the gospel continually reminds us that no matter where we are in our walk, that there but for the grace of God go I. We are just one moment, one turn away. So in a sense, you could say that a careless attitude toward gospel truth will always have an effect. If you fall out of the habit of reading your Bible consistently, praying regularly, attending church, being a part of a fellowship of believers, sharing the gospel, serving others, it will begin to show. Think about it this way. Let's talk about car maintenance for a second. It's costly but essential. It's a part of owning a vehicle. And a careless attitude toward maintenance can, what, lead to 
big expenses in the future. And if you take care of the little things, while they're little things, it can help prevent bigger things in the future. Think about it. Tires wear out. They don't last forever. Belts get older and need to be replaced. Wipers and filters don't last near as long as we wish they would. And sometimes we put those things on a schedule to help us to remember. And one thing that is vital is checking and changing the oil. Because clean oil helps your engine to run better and last longer. And the proper level of oil in your vehicle keeps it running smoothly. And if you neglect the oil, bad things happen. The level may slowly decrease without you even noticing until the big problem. Maybe it's a bang. Maybe it's some smoke. Or maybe it's just it doesn't run anymore. And this is exactly what our author is communicating, that participating in your spiritual maintenance in holding on to the truth of the gospel will prevent drifting. When we begin to make light of the truth of the gospel or disregard the conviction we receive from the Holy Spirit or His promptings, when we ignore daily time with Jesus, there will always be a consequence. So our warning so far, pay careful attention. Don't fall into neglect or you will drift in your faith. Now let's just be honest. Some warning labels are laughable. They were written because someone did something that was foolish or should not be done could go to Walmart or Target and buy an iron and on some irons there is a simple warning message do not iron clothes on body there you go maybe you're in a hurry chainsaws have labels that say don't grab this end obviously don't touch while moving but some warnings are vital they protect us from inconsequences. And chainsaws are, are dangerous. Bridges being out are dangerous. So when you see a sign, danger, bridge out ahead, it's a calling to pay attention. Turn around, find another way, and ignore it. You're headed toward a disaster. And so when we ignore warnings, we place ourselves in a position where we will receive a consequence and there is a consequence that comes with drifting now you notice in verses 2 in the first part of verse 3 that the writer begins to talk about this message declared by angels and then he talks about a great salvation and he's using an argument that is traditional it's ancient it's it's arguing from the lesser to the greater and if it the idea is this if this lesser statement is true how much more great should this other statement be? And the concept he wants to communicate is that if it was a penalty to break the Old Testament law, how much more of a penalty would there be when we reject or ignore the revelation that God has given through Jesus? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now, the Old Testament law that he's comparing it to was traditionally delivered to Moses by angel messengers. And it contained both 
judgments and rewards that were certain, that if they were obedient, there would be blessings. If there was disobedience, there would be curses. You can read the last several, Deuteronomy 28 and 29, blessings and curses. And the law was clear that every violation received a punishment that was right and appropriate. The punishment fit the crime. And he uses words, transgressions, to describe the character of the sin, that it means to to cross the line that God establishes. He uses the word disobedience that pictures an unwillingness to listen to show the cause of the sin. And because they were not willing to listen, they crossed the lines that God established and they placed themselves in a position where they faced His punishment or His judgment. And as one writer said, if the salvation that we have is greater than the Old Testament law, and it certainly is, then the judgment or punishment for drifting from that salvation will also be greater. Now you notice it says, how shall we escape if we neglect a great salvation? The writer doesn't fill in the blank and tell us what we are going to escape, but there is implied some form of retribution or punishment. So we hear the warning, we see the danger, we know that there's a consequence, but the author places all of the focus on the remedy. All of this is meant to build up the fact that there is a great remedy for this. Drifting is possible, but brothers and sisters, you don't have to drift because there is someone you can hold on to. That you can keep your focus on Jesus and the greatness of His salvation. And when he says that great salvation, it's a reminder that that salvation is not just a one-time event. It's not just that moment when you gave your life to Jesus and you were saved from sin and death. No, it continues on. The Bible teaches that we are being saved from the power of sin. There's a big word for that called sanctification. It's a way of saying that over time we grow in faith and we become to look more like Jesus and we become to walk more by the power of the Spirit and we are changed little by little. And there's a future day coming, one day in the future, when we'll realize the full greatness of our salvation. And that's when God will save us once and for all from the presence of sin. That's glorification. You read it in Scripture. You see it in the book of Revelation. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. We'll receive a new body and there's all those no mores. And some people drift because they don't value that gift of salvation. They don't see it as worthy enough to give it much effort and focus. They're just happy and content to be able to say, well, at least I'm going to go to heaven when I die. But when we capture the beauty of this glorious gift, we see that it is truly a great salvation. And the thought here is that the wonderful truth of salvation should shape our lives every day. Paul, in writing Philippians, he encourages them in Philippians 2, to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And then he uses himself as an example in chapter 3, and he says, I'm pressing on toward the prize. So working out our salvation, this great salvation, should affect our lives every day. And what does that look like? It looks like paying attention 
to in cherishing the message of the gospel. And realizing that each day is filled with potential, with the opportunity to love and obey Jesus as he's transforming us into his likeness. And verse 4 shows us why this salvation that we have is so great. First of all, it was declared at first by the Lord. It was declared by Jesus. We see that as we looked at chapter 1, that his message was superior to that of angels. N.T. Wright says it this way, in the message of the gospel, the king himself has came has come to speak to us directly. So Jesus not only preached about his coming kingdom and how to enter into his kingdom, he made the way for the kingdom. He is the way into the kingdom. So the one who came saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, is also the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Salvation is so great that God personally delivered the message to us in Jesus. He gave his only son to secure it to all who would believe. It's declared. It's also confirmed. It's attested to us by those who heard. Now the phrase here lets us know that the author who includes himself in the us was part of a generation who received the truth of the gospel from another generation. So the good news of Jesus was first made known to eyewitnesses, those who had been with Jesus, encountered Jesus like the apostles and like Paul. And then that was handed down to faithful men who continued and faithful women who continued to pass on the message of the good news. And today we have the message of the good news because of the faithfulness of the centuries of men and women who held to the truth, who declared the truth, who stood on the truth. And today we have that responsibility to share that good news and tell other people about Jesus. But then it's also testified to while God also bore witness. Jesus was on earth, the Gospels tell us of the miraculous deeds that he performed, that he operated in the power of the Spirit. And after Pentecost, last week was Pentecost Sunday and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the early church spoke with boldness. Many people were saved and the presence of God's Holy Spirit and the power of His Spirit was evident. And miraculous things were performed to point to the truth of the gospel. He mentions here signs, wonders, and miracles. Things that would help to show God's power and confirm the truth of the gospel message. Miraculous, unexplainable things that could only be attributed to God. And then gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can know this for certain. Where God is at work, His Spirit is For God is working, His Spirit is working. And every believer has at least one spiritual gift. You can read the list in the New Testament that there's many gifts. Each one is to glorify God, 
to enable us to be a blessing to others. God gives them to us as He chooses. It's His choice in the matter. And each one is a wonderful sign of God's work in your life. So, evidence of the Spirit working in your life is a good indicator of your relationship with Jesus. Can I see God's Spirit at work in my life? Am I feeling and hearing His voice? Am I feeling the conviction of sin and practicing repentance? Am I operating in His power and not my own? And when we begin to ignore the great truth of the gospel, the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and neglect things in life that feed our faith, we're going to drift. We're going to drift away from Jesus. However, paying careful attention to the great truth of salvation prevents spiritual drifting. Some of you may recognize the name of Robert Robinson. He was a, a minister and a hymn writer. He was saved while listening to the great preacher George Whitfield. Wrote several hymns, preached often, and one of his most memorable hymns begins, Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing calls for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it. Mount of God's redeeming. As the years went on, the man who wrote that song, Robert Robinson, didn't pay careful attention, and he drifted away from Jesus. One day, he was riding on a train, and there was a young woman in the train car sitting near to him, and she just was reading from a hymn book. just happened to be Come Thou Found. And she asked Robert Robinson, what do you think about this? Robinson broke down in weeping. Confessed to the young lady that he was the one that wrote the song and how he had lived. And the young lady made this statement. Can't you see the streams of mercy are still flowing? And with weeping in that moment, Robert Robinson repented and was restored. See, drifting is a real danger. Drifting spiritually can happen and will happen. But God has given us the remedy. We have a message in the gospel that's too great for us to neglect. We have a call to pay close attention to the truth about Jesus. And we have a Savior who is willing to receive us and forgive us and to welcome us back home. Let me ask you a question. How close are you to Jesus? Your eyebrows may come up. You may kind of shake your head. And, you know, we would probably, if we could let everybody share, we'd have a different range of answers. But I think I could sum up everyone's answer in one phrase. We're as close to Jesus now as we want to be. 
mean by that? That if we desire closer fellowship, if we desire to walk closely with Jesus, if we want to keep close to Him and pay careful attention, then we will make all the changes necessary to make that happen. If we're happy and contented where we are, we'll stay where we are. And we'll drift. And that drifting is a dangerous possibility. As neglect comes in, the damage will come. But oh, there's a remedy that is so much better to pay close attention to Jesus. And oh Lord, may we never be satisfied with how close we are because there's always room for improvement. The last verse of Robinson's hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for my courts above. Will you pray with me? Lord, hopefully this morning we've seen the danger of drifting. We've seen the effect of neglect, but we... Hopefully, above those things, we'll see the wonderful solution that you have given us. That while the question says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Let the cry of our heart be this morning, Lord, help us to pay close attention to such a great salvation. Lord, we know it's not in our own nature, but we know it's in us by the power of your Spirit that if we truly desire to be closer to you, that you will help us to make that possible and we will make the changes that are necessary. Or could it be that as we, we pray for revival and we long for revival and change in our church, for growth, for people to, to come and for changes in our community, in our state, in our nation. I think if we're honest, we would see that change that needs to happen starts with us. It starts with me. That in the distractions and the noise and the busyness of life, there is a calling to pay closer attention. To such a great salvation. Help us to see and ever in front of us the danger of drifting and the need to live daily for you. We ask for your help in this and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing as we're drawing toward the end of our our service. Actually, Jackie's going to play on the piano before they come up and sing. Um, but I just want you to consider this. You know, that question is very probing. How close are you to Jesus? But I don't want you to look at that and receive condemnation from the enemy. I want you to see it as possibility for improvement. Remember my geometry class when I was a sophomore. Man, I, I had the hardest time with geometry. And, um, and I would get these little things called progress reports. And they sent them to my mom. I couldn't believe it. 
And you know, and, and you know what it showed? It showed how poorly I was doing in geometry, but it also showed the room I had for improvement. And you know what mom kept would say to me all this time? Rusty Wayne, you can do better than that. And at first, it just made me mad. I was like, well, no, I can't. I don't like geometry, and I don't like my geometry teacher. She can't keep chalk off herself, and it just makes me nuts, you know. But over time, over time, I realized, okay, that was a warning because I knew if I failed a six weeks of geometry, I couldn't be in band, and I love band. And so it was an encouragement, and it showed that there was room for improvement. And I don't want you to see this question, how close are you to Jesus, as you know, a voice of condemnation that makes you just say, well, I'm going to shrink down, I'm not going to give up. But I want you to see it as this opportunity for a moment of improvement. That we can pay much closer attention, that we can pull close to Jesus, we can draw near to Him, and we can fight this danger of drifting by drawing close to him but there's also another danger i want to talk about because some people you know it's not neglect when it comes to the great salvation it's rejection of salvation maybe that's you maybe it's somebody that you know that to this point they haven't made that decision they haven't chosen to take God up on His promise and receive the wonderful free gift of salvation by faith. And so it's not only a time to improve, it's a time to enter into new life. So maybe this morning it's, God, I just need a fresh start. Help me to be closer to You each day. Or maybe it's the day for a new start and you're thinking, Jesus, today I'm going to give my life to You because You're worth it. Maybe it's the time that God said, I want you to plant here and be a part of this this fellowship and to grow along with these other brothers and sisters. Or maybe God's calling you out and saying, God, you know, I've got something different for you. I've got a plan and a purpose for you, and, and I've set you apart for this. And maybe today's the day you just say yes to Jesus and ask him to fill in the rest of the blanks. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's an opportunity say yes, but Jackie's going to play quietly. You can stay seated. You can come to the front if you need to. You can pray. You can ask others to pray with you. Um, But as God speaks, let us respond.
every hour of our time together. We just want to thank you for being here for worship, for Bible study. Just a quick note, if you haven't um, in the past been a part of a Bible study class, I would encourage you to do that. It's a great way to spend your Sunday morning in, in fellowship and in community with other believers studying God's Word together, and it's a great um, prelude to our, our worship time. And so we start at 9.30. If you choose that, there's a class probably that would fit your liking, and we'd love to have you. Also, if you are available on Wednesdays, at least through the month of, of June, we're going to continue to meet for our adult Bible study. We meet at 11, we have lunch, we study the Bible together, we pray, and we enjoy um, a meal that is a really great deal. Let me just remind you tonight, 6 o'clock, we're going to be right back in here. The air conditioners will be on, there will be desserts here. So you bring um, your checkbooks and ready to be generous so we can help Michelle and Ken on their journey um, to Tanzania coming up very shortly. The worship team's here. They're going to lead us in a song. So I want to invite you to stand with us, sing with us, and when we're finished with the song, you're free to go. Lord bless you. Jesus. 